0: www.archivos.digital. That's www.archivos.digital. Welcome to the Everyday Novelist. My name is J. Daniel Sawyer, and I am your guide in this raucous journey of coping with the creative life. Fueled by your questions, we explore the trials and travails of productivity, discipline, art, and finances in the writing life. Welcome to The Questions, episode 1068. Today we hear from Ed, who asks, How do sexual taboos work in a shame-based society? How much is internalized, don't do this, versus don't get caught? There's actually not just sexual taboos that work this way, but everything in a shame-based society works differently. So, uh, let's start with defining our terms. There are two basic ways that a culture controls uh, behavior. Um, well, there's three. Well, no, sorry. There's two. Both of them are ways of using fear. There is guilt, and there is shame. We in the West, post the Christian Revolution in the late Axial Age, live in a guilt-based society. All mystery cults, um, transcendental cults, everything that centers the individual works on guilt. Uh, Works on guilt for the very simple reason that you're supposed to let your conscience be your guide. The still small voice inside you that tells you when something is right and something is wrong, and you are accountable to the gods, or your culture's value system and whatnot for the way you behave. And that behavior goes all the way down to the level of your thoughts and your feelings. There is, in a guilt-based society, there is such a thing as thought crime. In fact, the whole system works on thought crime, which is one of the reasons that Western totalitarians so easily fall into enforcing doctrine and why they so quickly gravitate toward enforcing doctrine and thought crime, and having inquisitions, and witch trials, and stuff like that, and pogroms. Um, Because, even remember, even though uh, the Russian world is part of the Orthodox world and not strictly part of the Western world, and even though Orthodox Christianity works a little different than Catholic Christianity, Communism comes out of the West, it doesn't come out of the Orthodox world. Communism comes from, uh, eventually, from Karl Marx, but it comes from Hegel, through Schopenhauer, through Marx. And Hegel and Schopenhauer and Marx were all Christian-educated, living in a Christian culture, and particularly a Protestant culture, and in the case of Marx, also um, had a cultural history of Judaism which by that time, because of the developments in rabbinic Judaism and argumentation through the Middle Ages as laid down in the works of Maimonides, um, is very uh, much concerned about individual righteousness. Now, Judaism's individual righteousness is much more concentrated on behavior. It's, it's, what you find in Maimonides is this interesting middle point between this uh, guilt-based and a shame-based way of thinking. Nonetheless, the guilt-based way of thinking permeates the West, and the idea is that you are a good or a bad person depending on your desires, depending on your in, in the individual way that you express and pursue those desires, um, and especially if you give yourself over to the reprobate mind, to impure thoughts to uh, decadence and dissolution. You are not someone who has done something wrong. You are a bad person. It is a very categorical thing. There's not a lot of room in a guilt-based culture for, I'm a good person, but I did something bad. There's a little bit of room for that, but Your misbehavior is uh, evidence to yourself and to others that you are actually a bad person because your behavior emerges from your thoughts, and if you have done a bad thing, you must have been thinking about a bad thing, and that comes from your inner self and your bad. In a shame-based culture, your reputation is not all that important. What's important is the reputation of your family group. Whether that's your immediate family, your extended family, your tribe, your nation, etc., this is why uh, you hear when um, when Westerners interface with the Far East, you hear a lot of talk about face, about saving face, about preserving the image of the individual, the family, the clan, the tribe, the group. It's because In a shame-based society, morality is collective rather than individualistic. And so the things that you do either don't reflect on your... um, The things that you do reflect on your group and bring your group's reputation up or down. But only if you get caught... So there are things that happen in shame-based societies that seem absolutely insane to us in the West. And let's take, for example, honor killings, which was a really big scandalous thing when it came to the uh, awareness of popular culture back after September 11th. Honor killings in Islamic and also in Hindu culture. And the, But these sort of things have happened in, uh, in clannish cultures all throughout history. And honor killing is what happens when someone in the family does something that brings the family into disrepute or lowers their social rank. They will simply murder the member of their family who did that thing. Under Sharia law, one of the big things was if a woman has sex outside of marriage or in fact is raped because she has sexually interfaced with the world in contravention of tradition. She has brought the family into disrepute, lowered the family's rank, and therefore must be killed so that the family can be purified. But sometimes in these same cultures you'll have situations where a sister is raped by her brother. Nobody cares, as long as no one finds out about it. Because as long as it stays within the family bubble... It's not a risk to the group's reputation. These kinds of things are really important if you're in warrior cultures, and your ability to access food and water depends on prestige. One of the best, best ever examples of a shame-based culture in science fiction can be found in Jack, I think it was Jack Vance's story, The Moon Moth. In the Moon Moth, there's a civilization where everything is based on prestige and claims of prestige mitigated by the mask you choose to wear, and as long as you behave according to the social rank that you have voluntarily adopted and are willing to defend that claim literally to the death, you can make it stick, and you have all the benefits and privileges associated with that rank. And if you don't want to have to be part of the very bloody status struggle, you can voluntarily take on a low-rank by putting on a low-ranking mask, and nobody will even give you the time of day. And so the Moon Moth is a murder mystery set in this society where the murderer knows all the complicated social customs and keeps changing masks to pass for a person of different ranks in order to evade the uh, investigator and eventually secure his uh, permanent Happy retirement at the expense of someone he's murdered. It's a fantastic. I guess it's technically a novelette. It's about 12,000 words. It is amazing and it's a really good way to get yourself acquainted for how a shame-based culture works without having to learn a lot about other Earth-based cultures. And there is also a fantastic radio drama of that. Yeah, seeing your Theater did one. You can often find pirate versions of it on YouTube. It is literally verbatim from the text. Well, almost literally that, but the adaptation is so close. You can actually read the text along with listening to the audiobook and it's an identical experience. So in the West, um, let's take, for example, one of the big taboos, incest, right? Since I already jumped into that lake with, uh, with brothers raping their sisters. In the West, if you have a consensual incestuous relationship, however that's defined in your locality, everywhere in the West, a relationship is considered incestuous if it is closer than a first cousin Um, and sometimes it's considered an incest out to about third cousin. But uh, however it's construed, whatever your locality and your tradition construes it as, let's say you've got an incestuous relationship on your hands. In the West, well, first of all, it's not necessarily likely to be discovered if everyone keeps their mouth shut, except that the people involved are going to be racked and tortured by guilt. And let's assume that it's a consensual. What's the, the textbook uh, sci- uh, psychological question about this is uh, let's assume it's a one night stand between a brother and sister and they use birth control so there's no uh, danger of uh, pregnancy with a deformed baby and it never happens again. Now, in the West, this is. Ugh. It People revolt to the point of nausea at the idea of this kind of thing. But what is likely to happen in that kind of a circumstance is that despite the consensual nature of the encounter and the non-repeated nature of the encounter... One or the other of the parties is likely to be racked by guilt to such an extent that they traumatize themselves and it poisons their other social relationships. It poisons their future family making and also because they feel they know they're a bad person down deep that this has happened that makes them evil. That's what happens in a guilt-based system. And uh, that's, you know, they'll they'll seek forgiveness from their church. They may try to overcompensate by becoming an ultra-good person in other ways. Um, Or they may figure, well, hell, I'm a bad person. They just go down the path of least resistance towards whatever drugs or other debauchery they're naturally inclined to. In a shame-based culture, this kind of thing... Would only raise eyebrows if it was known outside the family group. It's not that everyone would be okay with it. It's that the important part of the sin is whether or not it lowers the social rank of the group. If it doesn't lower the social rank of the group, it will be tolerated as long as you're not, like, making it a thing, forcing the people within the group to be active and constant participants in the cover-up. Because once you do that, you're creating more social vulnerabilities. And of course, most of this isn't rationally thought out. It's just the way that it works. It has to do with where morality is centered. Shame-based civilizations and societies are really vulnerable to Kinds of institutionalized uh, personal abuse that we like to think we don't tolerate in the West. We find it anathema. In shame based cultures, those kinds of abuse are often commonplace. Um, It's also called an honor system, right? uh, Another way of looking at it is honor based morality versus dignity based morality. Guilt is dignity based morality. In a guilt or dignity based culture, you will have kinds of behaviors being commonplace that would literally get you killed in a shame-based culture, and people from a shame-based culture will react to the normalization of premarital sex, or public dancing, or public drunkenness, or other things like that, with the same kind of visceral reaction that you would react to a husband beating his wife, or something like that. Each mode of doing morality has its peculiar failure points, but one of the biggest mistakes that writers make when they're writing across cultural lines is failing to account for the difference between guilt and shame. Guilt centers badness in the innermost self of the person. Shame centers badness at the level of action and reputation. So you get extreme reactions, say, for example, in Japan, there, um, there was this rash, I remember reading about a rash of suicides that happened in like the late 60s and early 70s when scholastic achievements started becoming really important to get jobs in the newly industrialized country. Young men who got B averages in school would go out and kill themselves. And they weren't killing themselves because they felt like, I have sinned, I am morally reprehensible, I am a bad person for those reasons. Or because they were so stressed. Because that, that is how Westerners will yeah. will see this kind of thing. It's like, oh, they couldn't keep up with the pressure. Right. It's not about the pressure. It's not about that kind of pressure. It was, I have failed in my obligation to my parents. I have failed to carry on the family line upward. I have failed to honor the sacrifices they've made for me. Therefore in order to repay the debt I owe to them, since I can't do it with my life, I can do it with my death. By removing from them the obligation of association with me when I have failed, it frees them up to have an honorable life. And that's the way that that kind of reasoning works out in a shame-based system. It's not that people in shame-based systems don't feel guilt, just like It's not that people in guilt-based systems don't feel shame. But the difference in how the moral reasoning works and how self-image is mitigated is so profound that it almost could be an alien planet and a different species. Not quite that much, but close. And that's the thing to keep in mind when you're writing across those kinds of cultural lines. Thank you very much for the question, Ed and we'll see you tomorrow. The Everyday Novelist is written and presented by J. Daniel Sawyer and Kitty Nakian, and is produced by Artistic Whispers Productions Incorporated. The text is copyright 2023 J. Daniel Sawyer and the production is copyright 2023 Artistic Whispers Productions Incorporated. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license and all other rights are reserved to the author.